0: Truth plus Media.
1: Barron with six, working on Bibby one on one between legs Crossover, dribble drive into the lane. Goes up with a good shot. Good! Wow! What a Aaron shot! Davis with a major move. Oh, Davis the draw. Oh my line. goodness! The explosiveness of Barron Davis. <laughs> Outside to Baker.
0: What is up, family? Welcome to Forgotten Seasons. I'm Dylan Dreyfus, your host, and today we will be taking a trip back to 2001 and reliving the Charlotte Hornets season. This team was led by a 21-year-old, Baron Davis, and they were really good. They won 46 games. Uh, they upset the Heat in the first round. Uh, they had a really tough, nail-biter seven-game loss to the Bucks. In the second round, uh, outside of Barron was a dynamic scoring forward, Jamal Mashburn, elite, elite, elite. Uh, we had a veteran big man, PJ Brown, and the team's captain, David Wesley. Um, and today to help us relive this season is the star of the team, the second year point guard hailing from LA, Baron Davis. Uh, we got a lot going on this year. It was the Hornets second to last season in Charlotte before they fled to New Orleans. During the season, the Hornets actually filed for relocation to Memphis, which was later pulled and taken by the Vancouver Grizzlies. We had an off-season trade leading up to this year with the Hornets trading Eddie Jones and Anthony Mason for Jamal Mashburn and PJ Brown. So, you know, a lot going on here. This is gonna be a really good one. I'm pumped. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Forgotten Seasons with Baron Davis and the 2001 Hornets begins right now. Welcome everybody. Welcome Baron Davis to the Forgotten Seasons Podcast. Today, we are going to be focusing on the 2001 Hornet Squad. BD, thank you for hopping on. How you doing, man? Good, bro. what's happening? What do you remember just like, you know, a second year, 21 year old BD in Charlotte this time? What, what comes to mind first?
1: Uh, for me, it was like, I know my second year, it was like, it was all business. Hmm. You know, my first year I didn't start, um, So I came off the bench, and I thought I at least get a chance to start one or two games, and I didn't start a game that season. So my second year, you know, the whole summer, I was just in the gym, in the gym. So when I got back to Charlotte, I didn't really care what was going on. I was just ready to, like, unleash my arsenal Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the team first. Um, And, you know, I, I would say that season for me was, like, that was like my coming out party, mm-hmm. right? That was the year where, you know, I was drop step dunking. You know, every game I had, you know, the coach was posting me up. You know, they, they start to realize that, you know, I can do a lot more things than just be, you know, a point guard. And having match there, he liked to handle the ball too. You know, Anthony Mason was the year before, and he played point forward. So I was kind of used to playing off the ball with a big, bigger guard or, or point or a point forward. And so I was able to post up, and then you know watch Mashburn in practice, learn from him. He had the coldest fadeaway. like he had the coldest fade away. You and you know having him and PJ, like when they, I remember when they came to the team, there was just almost like this, this stability and presence. You know what I mean? From where they came from, from Miami and Rouse, and how Rouse mm-hmm. did it. You know what I mean? And so we used to hear about that a lot, and just the discipline, and we would see that with them. Right. You know, just and and I think I, that's what I learned from PJ is just coming to work every day. You know what I mean? Getting through practice every day. Right. Um, and, you know, our team was like, we're a solid team. We're cohesive. You know, I would say that was that was probably the year we had the best shot of, like, making a real run to the championship. We lost we lost to Milwaukee in the conference semis. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should have, you know, we had every opportunity to win that series and go to the conference finals against Philly which I think we were the, the the best the best matchup, you know, uh for them. Of course I would say that. Mm. Um but it was it, it was it was a dope it was a dope year and for me it was just like I was I was going to dunk on at any and everybody that I saw. So my second year is really the year I was like catching bodies, like left it like every game drop step. I was just, you know, I was I was so ready and so prepared to like, just be who I was, right? Because I felt like my rookie year, I was trying to be who they wanted me to be.
0: No, 100%. I mean, you really break out. Um, I think when I think of you back then, I think of like a John Morant now, just like a raw energetic point guard that like really wants it. Uh, And you do that, right? You make consistent strides. I want to quickly go back to right before this season and highlight that trade a little bit more so. The centerpiece is that trade from your guys' side, you ship out Eddie Jones and Anthony Mason, uh, and you guys get PJ Brown and Jamal Mashburn back. I know that you and Eddie sort of went back a while, right at your time at UCLA when he was with the Lakers. What was it like losing maybe like a mentor or a big brother in Eddie? Um, and what was that like when you heard that news?
1: Uh, I kind of knew it was going to happen anyway. Mm. Uh, I remember being picked up. I used to ride with Eddie Jones to practice. So uh, during training camp, he had uh, had already had, you know, his vision map, you know, and, and, and his goal sheet mapped out from the year before when I was a rookie. And he was like, man, I'll make the All-Star, get my bread. And he was like, but I'm, try- I'm not trying to stay here. I'm trying to get up out of here, I'm trying to go to Miami. That was like his whole thing. He wanted to go to Miami. You know, he did not want to stay to Charlotte because remember, he got traded. He got right. traded to Charlotte. And so he didn't really want to stay there. That was not like his fit. For me, it was like, I just really wanted to hoop with Eddie Jones. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember Eddie Jones gave my first, you know, not my first pair of shoes, but like he was the first NBA dude to take some shoes off his feet and be like, here, dog. When I, when we were in high school, you know what I mean? When we we're in high school. What was the, what was the shoes, if you remember? I can't remember, dog. I'm not a shoe freak like that. <laughs> but he gave me the shoes off his feet. Like we were in the gym, he literally took them shits off and gave them to me, he was like, here. Yeah. And from that point, it was just like, Eddie Jones taught me a lot, man. He taught me how to be a professional, fly, be yourself. You know what I mean? It's, you know, uh, smart about your business. I mean, a- a- Eddie Jones, man, that, that that dude had a huge impact on me from the first day. Uh, You know, he took me shopping one day, tried to get me to buy a bunch of cashmere shit. (laughs) I wasn't feeling it. (laughs) That was my dog, man. He used to just, you know, laugh. And, you know, I looked up to him because he played for the Lakers. And, you know, he was just just a killer, man. And I think that was devastating. But also what was devastating was Mace because Mace... Mm -hmm was the heart and soul of our team. He was the most versatile player. He could play to five, to four, to three. He can guard one through five. And like, Mace was just like, kind of like the glue, mm-hmm. right? He was so emotionally, he was so emotionally connected and like just spirited as far as like, like, the, like it was a certain, it was a certain drive, right? And when you look at Mace, you like, man, this dude is like, he looked like a bully. You know what I mean? Play like a bully. You know what I mean? He Act like a bully, but he like, he loved his teammates. You know what I mean? So it was like, he was so every time that there was a game, he was ready to go to war dog. And it was like that kind of like that mentality, like just a dog dog mentality is what I got from Mace. You know, almost like you got to hate everybody. You got to hate your opponent. You know what I mean? You got to want to, you know, you got to want to come out there. Ain't no friends, right? And Mm -hmm. I think he brought that, you know, well from his Nick days. You know what I mean? Charlotte, so when we lost that, we lost a lot of, we lost lost a lot of versatility. But I think when we got Mash and PJ, we got a lot of stability, right? We got a power forward, that rebound, defend, make sure. Like, PJ Brown was so fucking underrated. It was ridiculous. Fast. Jamal Mashburn was so underrated, believe it or not. He still does not get the credit he deserves, right? And so we had a, a dynamic score, a finisher, you know, and Jamal Mashburn, somebody who could seal the game. And then we had, you know, P.J. Brown, who was stable. I think we also got, like, Tim James and somebody else in that deal as well. Um, but that was, a, you know, for us, it was like that was my first time you know, Santa Tray like that, where it was like, oh shit, like a whole bunch of dudes just walked up in here, you know?
0: So I wanna go down the roster real quick. And when I say the player, I just want you to say like the first word, um, phrase, nickname or story that comes to mind. So let's start with Mash, right? A guy that I try and highlight a lot on Forgotten Seasons. Like you watch his highlights and it's unbelievable like how much work he was giving people on a night to night basis.
1: Uh, he was embarrassing people. I would pass the ball to him. Like I would say, Mash was like he was a safety button. You know what I mean? You knew he was gonna get a bucket. You knew he was gonna score. You know that was a monster. That was a monster. Dude. Monster mm. Mash something else.
0: Mm. Uh, David Wesley, I believe the captain.
1: Yeah, captain, tough as nails. Uh, D Dub, that was my dog. He was my, you know, he was the other half of the bodyguards. You know, we mm-hmm. were smaller than everybody, but, you know, he he had the heart of a seven-footer. You know what I mean? And he wasn't backing down to nobody.
0: What do you think it's like playing with a shooting guard that is, like, undersized? Because you see that now just, like, sort of a recurring theme. Like, for you, um, does that cause any limitations? Or is it just, like, you know, speak to his physicality and toughness that he's ever, able to, like, overcome those deficiencies and still perform?
1: Well, I think, you know, it's just a testament to, like, both of us stepping up to the challenge, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Sometimes he'd guard the point guard. Sometimes i got guard the shooting guard. You know, we just – we prided ourselves on playing defense, you know what I mean, and coming to the game Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, defend and in that era some of the best, you know, all-time greatest guards, you know, uh, point guards as well was, you know, just in that era.
0: P.J. Brown.
1: Man, work. Ultimate professional funny you know what I mean funny professional just like uh just I would say just a dude like young dude like you need a PJ Brown on every team when you got
0: younger kids in the league Mm. yeah because he's 31 at this time he's been around the block like he's been on really good teams so yeah Mm -hmm. um and then one more Interesting to hear Derek Coleman, because he was also on that squad. What do you remember from D.C. on that team?
1: D.C. Uh, on that team, D.C. was like almost like our sixth man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. He would play. Sometimes he would start at center, either him or Eldon. But like like D.C. was still really good. And I think that year D.C. had kind of found, he found a home and a family with us. We all. We all got along, and I think he was really like the X factor for us, right? Because people would not expect him to show up, but at that point he was like he could he could shoot the three. He was a leader, you know. He was a good teammate, you know what I mean. He was mm-hmm. a good defender, and he was a and he was he stepped up as the intimidating factor that we needed. And but year two was fucking lit, bro everybody said really? he had headbands they put headband on the statue in the in the uh airport like get like season uh my second season was lit we was like we when the playoffs came we was sell out it was like it was like twenty three, twenty four thousand 24,000 people mm-hmm.
0: every but he's, do you, do you recall they the ownership group filed to relocate to Memphis during that season. And then they pulled the application after you guys beat Miami. I don't remember. Yeah. I I knew we were leaving. I knew all
1: that was starting to happen. The rumblings about us leaving because the next year, which was my third year, the year I made the all-star game, we were playing in front of 5,000 people, dude. So that, I think that Memphis thing is what, what triggered it that we were going to leave. And then that's when all of you know everybody started finding out about George and and who he was, you know, and all the things that he said. Hmm. He also said, "I have a black guy coach his team,
0: and he hired Paul Silas to be the coach." Yeah, Paul Silas. What was what was what was playing under Paul Silas like?
1: It was like You know, it's like playing for. You know, just a he was just a solid coach. He was he was he was easy to play for. You know what I mean? He demanded a lot. Um, and he, I mean, he, we had a good, we had a good solid team. It's like you like coaches like that because they give you the spirit and confidence. So you can win and put you in a position to win. Mm-hmm. Did everything in his power to, you know, put together that right team. And, you know, we, we had the opportunities. I think we just came up short a couple of games or two. It, it stopped us from getting into that conference finals.
0: Then to take like a, bigger picture look at the league at that time 2001 if you can remember the teams right so you got the lakers that's right in the middle of their their three pete obviously the spurs you got in the east iverson who are the teams that um you know as a young player you had to really like bring your a game and look forward to those matchups
1: every game bro every game because somebody everybody has somebody Mm. you know what i mean You know, Jersey had at the time, I believe they had Steph Marbury. Mm -hmm. Um, But you got Philly, you have um, Milwaukee, you got Indiana, right? Um, Who else? You got Miami. Veteran teams. Orlando was young and upcoming. Um, Cleveland had talent. They were going through like a rebuilding process. So they were their record didn't reflect, you know, how dangerous they could be, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um Boston, Kenny Anderson, Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce, they had a squad. Um Toronto, they had they had a whole vet team. Um, and Vince and 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 Mo Pete and all them dudes. Muggsy, I think, was on that team. Yeah. Um So it was just a lot of, it was like a lot of good games. You know what I mean? It was just so many fucking good games, dude, that you had to be on your A game, Mm -hmm. right? You had to be on your A game. Then you got Portland coming in. You got Sacramento coming in out the West. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Lakers were, Lakers obviously were really, really good. Seattle Supersonics at the time were good. The whole thing. it was just it was, a, it was a whole bunch of fight. I mean, it was it was lit, bro. It was lit. Houston was you know Houston was on was had Steve Francis, but they also had Barkley and Akeem. You know what yep. I mean? So it was like, damn, dude, you just walking in and you seeing like real fucking Hall of Famers and legends. You know, every time you show up to a game, so it's like, and then also like at that time it was like great pros and and guys who were coming out of college that had names. So you had to really like. Make a name for yourself. A lot of veterans. And dudes weren't like,
0: like trying to let that happen. Yeah. Back then it was a lot more like veteran built squads, right? Obviously, they had the superstars, but like um, you mentioned like the Rockets and the Raptors, like they had their superstars, but around them, they also had those guys that had been in the league for like 12, 13 years. And it's not really like that anymore. But um, I think that's why I sort of like to go back and, and reflect on on these seasons. Um, so switching from teams, players. Point guards. I know you could name a bunch, but try and name three, four, five guys that you know you you cherish those matchups.
1: Uh, Kenny Anderson, when he was in Boston, Stefan Marbury, mm-hmm. Allen Iverson, Jason Kidd, uh, Mark Jackson was another one mm-hmm. that I cherished, and then all the dudes in my class: Steve Francis, Jason yep. Terry, Jay Miller, mm-hmm. um, those dudes. Mm-hmm. Um Sam Cassell was cold. I mean, shit, everybody. Travis Best was cold coming off the bench in Indiana. Howard Isley backing up Stockton. Like it was it, there was no letdown, bro. You know what I mean? Like even like the older veteran guys, they had these, they had vet vet backup guards who were like really, really good and could be starting on other teams, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: For sure. Then going into the season a little bit, right? If you recall the regular season, you guys are sort of a streaky team. Like you have a bunch of like six, seven game winning streaks, but you also have those like five game skids. Um, who's the voice in the locker room for you guys that's banding everybody together and getting you guys back in line?
1: Uh, I think uh, for that season, it was pretty much like just the coach, to be honest. Like we were just, we were just trying to find each, figure each other out. A lot of times we like we never we didn't play our best against the best teams, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so, so when we went to Texas, San Antonio, Dallas, you know, like we were, we were not the best road team, right? And we didn't always like couldn't pull off the big ones, you know what I mean, against the big guns at that time. Uh, we didn't have a lot of big wins, right? But we were consistent enough to beat the teams that we could beat and beat the teams that we were better than or equal to. And it wasn't till the playoffs till we actually start gelling and realizing that, hold on, dude, like we can fucking beat anybody
0: at this point. Is that like a time thing? Just like the fact that it's a, like a. It's time,
1: a- camaraderie, chemistry, you know, everybody's coming out the gate, their best foot forward by, you know, the quarter point mark. Some people are, you know, not as consistent. And so you have to change, you know, kind of like your game plan to fit who's who. By All-Star Weekend, you know, you pretty much know what type of team you're going to have or what type of players you need. And then I think for us in the second half, we became a bully team. We became bigger than everybody, right? We could use our size. You know, I start to emerge, right? And mm-hmm. the guy started to trust me. You know what I mean? As as the point guard, I would say as another good, like good player and potentially one of the better players on the team. Um, and at that time it was hard because you got a lot of vets who put in a lot of work that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't easy to be to get to earn your
0: stripes. You know what I mean? You have to like pay your dues and shit. So then finish out the season, right, 46 and 36. You guys are the sixth seed. And then uh, you guys match up against the Heat, who of course you have that big trade with right before the season. Um, Is there anything like bigger than the series there? Like with MASH and Eddie Jones, like is MASH trying to like prove it to the team that just traded him? Yeah, Mash
1: MASH is definitely trying to prove it to Miami. PJ is trying to stick it to Miami. You know, Mace and Eddie Jones left us so it's still like, they trying to prove it. They, they want to stick it to us and Charlotte, right? David Wesley, you know, he was mad at Eddie Jones. You know what I mean? It was just like the way Eddie left. And so, you know, like, it was just like, I remember going into that series, like, yo, we are at war. And I remember in the series when we came out the very first game, you know, uh, for the jump ball, you know, everybody like shake hands. They did not shake our hand. They didn't? They did not shake our hand. So once they didn't shake our hand, it was like, okay, we're not shaking hands. I mean, that's just protocol. You know what I mean? And they wasn't fucking with us. So it made us mad. You know what I mean? To the point where it's like, okay, that's what y'all know? All on alright well, this going to be a fight. Right? We know how Miami is. You know what I mean? We know, like, they like to play grimy and dirty and that, you know what I mean? And Miami had that fabric and we was like, man, we about to sock these dudes in their mouth. And if they say something else, we're gonna sock them again. We're gonna sock, we just gonna keep socking them because we don't believe that, you know, like the bully shit ain't gonna work with us, right? Uh We know Mace, right? We know Mace cause Mace, you know, shit, Yeah, we not scared of Mace you know what I mean we know his game and we know what he gonna do but we not like we weren't afraid like maybe if Mace wasn't on our team and he was on that team it would have been different but he was our teammate, so it was more so like we not intimidated you know everybody else wasn't intimidated by by Mace you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and uh, you know we had and we had the matchup and you know it was me playing against Tim Hardaway you know my a dude I idolized growing up so you know, I was nervous as hell going into that playoffs and I was like, yo, just don't let the score get close because this motherfucker will just shoot a random 3. You know what I mean? And I guess it was just full out panic, dog. Pick up full pressure, pressure, pressure and they just we just broke them. We just he broke them. Down. We just broke them down. I mean, if you watch that series, we really bullied them.
0: We really punked them from all angles you know what I mean we just and, really really do. and it wasn't close I mean 26 point win the first game uh 26 again the second game and then you guys close it out in three by 15 there's another element that I'm not even sure if you're aware of but Paul Silas didn't really like Pat Riley at that time he coached under Riley uh in Miami as an assistant and if you go back there's articles from them and and Silas thought that Riley like deemed the lazy tag on him, and he had trouble getting a job. So, you know, maybe that also, you know, oh. you you, you, did you even know about that, aware of that at no, that time? Uh-uh, I had mm-hmm. no idea. But that's dope hearing, you know, that like war mentality because it does start, you know, from the top with the coach. That's- so he wanted no. it too.
1: We were prepared. We were going to let Bruce Bowen and Dan Marley beat us, and we were going to leave whoever it was open in the corner. And they was just going to have to make 10, 15, open threes and back there you know people weren't taking threes like that right so and bruce bowen marley whoever in miami in the corner we not we not gonna even run out there you're gonna have to hit that shit by yourself
0: <laughs> yeah um and what's the what's the headband story how does that come about
1: uh the headband was just something that you know i was rocking with and then we started getting that me and ricky davis was doing it and i got david wesley by the time the playoffs start, we wanted to do something in unison. Mm-hmm. So I told everybody we had to rock a headband. So we did a headband. I think we did black shoes, black socks, shit like that. Just trying to show like some solidarity. We had our own little chant, our little Rough Riders chant. We was, <laughs> we was locked. <laughs>
0: So channeling their inner DMX, Baron and the Hornets swept the heat 3-0 in the first round. And before we go, just a few points I wanted to talk about to close it out. One, what made the team so special? Two, how the season ended? And three, just the downfall of the Hornets in their first stint in Charlotte. So first, what what made this team special? There's a lot of elements here. At the center, of course, is a 21-year-old Baron Davis who is lighting up the league. Uh, In today's game, free athlete point guards aren't super uncommon. Uh, you got Russell Westbrook, John Morant. You go back a few years and you got Derek Rose and John Wall, but it can't be downplayed just how exciting Barron was in the early 2000s. Uh, outside of BD, you had Jamal Mashburn, an incredibly underrated scorer and a guy that gelled with the Hornets from the moment he got there. Then PJ Brown, who came over in the Mashburn trade, uh, that veteran influence, tone setter, and just solid rock of the team. And as Barron said, they, they really believed that they could beat any team on any given night. And that, that sort of moves into the end of the season. Um, after the 3-0 sweep of the heat, the Hornets would meet Milwaukee in the second round. a team that we've covered on Forgotten Seasons with Sam Cassell and George Carl, it was one of the most epic series of the early 2000s. Uh, you had the Bucks winning the first two games at home and then the Hornets punching right back and taking the next three. Um, that, that 3-0 Hornets run in the middle of the series was a, an incredible display of just Jamal Mashburn's brilliance. He poured in 36 in Game 3, 31 in Game 4, and then 24 in Game 5. But as many of us know, the Bucs would eventually prevail in seven games. We had an amazing Baron performance in that Game 7 loss. Um, And you would think that, you know, coming off of Uh, a successful playoff run for a six seed, right? Upsetting the heat in the first round going toe to toe with an amazing bucks team in the second round. You would think that that would translate to increased fan support, you know, the city of Charlotte rallying around the Hornets, but that was not the case at all. Really quite the opposite happened. Um, It wasn't because of Baron or anybody on the Hornets much had to do with George Shin, the team's owner. Um, Just to go back, Shin brought the team to the city in 1988 and Charlotte loved him. I mean, you know, North Carolina, basketball state, um, they didn't have a pro basketball team and Shin gave them that. They threw a parade in his honor. They tossed rose petals at his feet, lavaged him with gifts fit for a king. Uh, But fast forward to, you know, 2001, 2002 and the relationship between Shin and the city was quite the opposite. Uh, Around this time, there were some really ugly assault allegations against him uh, coupled with that was him just sort of constantly toying around with trying to get funding for a new arena. Um, and then, you know, filing for relocation to Memphis. Um, fans stopped showing up for games. They publicly bashed him. As Baron mentioned in the interview, like, you know, they they were playing in front of like 5,000 people less. Um, and after the 2002 season, as we know, the Hornets did end up leaving, uh, not to Memphis, but to New Orleans Barron has said multiple times that new Orleans is not a city fit for an NBA team. In his words, it's a tourist city. Uh, They have little to no fortune 500 companies to generate, you know, the sponsorships and partnerships that an NBA franchise needs. And just outside of that football dominates the culture. You got the saints, you got LSU just outside. Um, And in the almost 20 years that the Hornets have been in new Orleans, there has been very little success. Like you had the Chris Paul teams in the late 2000s that did make some noise, you know, they had Chris Paul. But other than that, there there really hasn't been not much. They've had stars, you know, Anthony Davis. Now they've got Zion. But, uh, you know, Barron's talked about that. He did not enjoy playing in New Orleans. Of course, Charlotte did get their team back um, with the Bobcats. But uh, just to wrap up, you know, this season is fascinating on many levels. You have the breakout of Baron Davis. You have the big trade centered around Eddie Jones and Jamal Mashburn. uh, That epic seven game series with the Bucks and the Hornets and the beginning of the end of the Hornets first in Charlotte. So, Baron, thank you for coming out. I really appreciate it. Thank you for supporting the page and be well, my man. All right. Thanks, boss. So that's all we got for today. Thank you guys for tapping in. You can follow Forgotten Seasons on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe on YouTube and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Be sure to also check out truthplusmedia.com for more in-depth looks at these historic NBA seasons, and we will catch you guys next time.